Well, we're starting a new series today. We are pumped up about this. This is something that we have been thinking about working on for almost a year now. It's been quite a while that we've been plowing away at this, so we are so excited to bring it to you. And uh, it is called How to Read the Bible. And uh, we're going to, over the next seven weeks or so, dig into that, try to uh, get as much wisdom as we can and how we can uh, approach reading the Bible. So we're excited to get into that. As you guys were walking around, we put up a, a little slide with a QR code for our sermon notes. If we could do that one more time in case you didn't have a chance um, to snap that and to download those notes. I think it will help you follow along. Within those notes at the very bottom is a list of resources that if you wanna dig into this topic more and more, uh, we've got books in there, podcasts, uh, websites, whatever your, your uh, desire is, you can find it in there and dig in more and more. Um, the, the last one is BibleProject.com, an amazing website. If you haven't checked it out before, it's like a playground for anybody who is theologically curious or who wants to know more about how Scripture was written and composed. It's, it's amazing, and I know both of us have, have gotten a lot out of that. Speaking of both of us, this series is going to be a lot of the both of us. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, so buckle up. I hope you like it because it's happening. Uh, I do want to say... The Bible Project, um, we enjoy it so much that when we have a 30-minute segment of time after putting the kids to bed and before we go to sleep, that has become our binge-watching thing. Um, They have these classroom things, and it's awesome. So I can't encourage you enough to get out there and check it out because for me anyway, as soon as I started to digest, I'm like, oh my goodness, give me more. Uh, So check it out. Yeah. So we wanted to do the both of us throughout this series uh, for one primary reason, and that is with a topic like this, um, where we're going to get into some deep stuff, um, we want to create an atmosphere of conversation. We want to create a vulnerable atmosphere where Devin and I you and your families, you and your life groups can just have open discussions about this and, and be curious and, and learn new things and kind of stretch your current understanding. So we wanted to kind of model that uh, as we go through this series so that hopefully you will partake in, in that process. That's what scripture tells us to do. I think sometimes we might feel like we don't have enough understanding and so we just are afraid of speaking up. Even in, in our life group, sometimes I sense that I, you, you feel like you don't have enough knowledge, and so you don't want to sound stupid by asking a question or you know, inquiring about something. But that is holding you back from being able to, to be under, to, to, to hear something that will reveal something to you that might unlock something for you. So whether it comes from a place of, Um, scared to sound stupid or whether it comes from a place of fear of stirring things up. Listen, we are all in this together. We are all uh, united in this thing, this mission, this thing that God has called us to do. And that is so rooted deeply in love that we should be able to, and we are to, be able to lovingly have these conversations. And we've talked about this several times over the past year or so, but uh, 
we have to be able to, if we can't talk about our questions with each other as family, who are we going to talk to about this stuff? And so, uh, hey, you might see something different, differently than me, and I'm sure you do, uh, but that's okay. We got to be able to lovingly come together. We're all united on this, the same thing, the main thing. We're following him in this thing, right? But let's just be able to have loving conversations that, that end up leading to growth, uh, and yep. so that's what we want to do. So let's set some expectations real quick before we jump into the content so um, as you can tell, based off of some of the things that we're saying, we feel like this is going to be a series that is going to stretch and challenge us. And so going in, <clears throat> we want to encourage you to be open-minded, all right? Truly be curious about these things. And along with that, um, try to be patient throughout this series. So try not to get ahead of us. Try not to assume what we're going to cover or what we're not going to cover. Just be patient through this process because I think by the end of it, we'll have a full scope of the things that we need to continue to think about and to apply. And uh, with that being said, we do want to make a form for you guys to send us any questions that you have throughout the series. So if something is said or maybe something comes to mind that you want to know more about, at the top of those sermon notes is a link to a form where you can send us your questions, whatever it is. And what we'd like to do is, uh, by the end of this series, be able to answer some of those questions some way. Maybe we'll have another message at the end that's kind of like a, a Q&A, or maybe a different form we'll use for that. But we want to make sure your questions can be heard and hopefully answered, uh, and, and that way we can move forward the best way possible. Yeah, I feel like some of you are like gripping your seat already, like, all right, where are we going with this? Um, but listen, as leaders, we are trying to teach. We are trying to, to challenge. Um, when, when you learn something new, that means that you have seen something new from your current understanding or your current understanding has been challenged in a new way. So that's what happens when, when we learn something new, when we grow, it's because whatever our existing uh, perspective is, our existing paradigm is, that has been challenged or something new has been presented to that. And so um, that's why we're kind of dressing this the way that we are is like, hey, listen, this is what we're, we're trying to do. This is what we're supposed to do is challenge and teach as leaders. And that very thing means that it might, uh, it might open your eyes to something or a different way of seeing things. Yeah. So why don't we do this? Why don't we say a word of prayer before we jump into this, that, that the Holy Spirit would help us um, to have an open mind and a soft heart to receive this on good soil. So please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we come to you today, and we, uh, as a people, truly do want to grow. Like, we, we truly do want to, to learn and be challenged and not just be stuck where we're at. And so I pray that you would give us the humility uh, to be able to have an open mind and a soft heart to receive these things the way that you desire 
And, and, you know, I hope and I pray that this would open up a new world for us to be able to dig into Scripture in a way that you desire and in a way that really opens up how you want us to move forward. And so I just pray for your blessings, your anointing, your favor upon this, um, not only in how we deliver it, but how it's received and how it continues to stir in our hearts and in our minds. So right now we lay it at your feet. We trust in you. It's in your hands. Your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So you mentioned the word paradigm. So maybe explain what a paradigm is. Yeah, so I was kind of briefly going there, but um, a paradigm is is your current understanding or perspective of the way you see things. And we operate from that place. Mm -hmm. So our daily life is from a place of wherever your current existing paradigm is, which has been formed up to this point in your life through experience and through the things you've learned and so on and so forth. Um, But that's it. It's it's a current understanding or perspective of what you have today. Yeah, it shapes your reality and how you understand everything to work. Uh, Maybe a a good example of what a paradigm would be, how that operates. Yeah, so um, so an example... um, so you can have, we, we talk about this, we talked about this a few months ago, um, and we talk about this kind of in the, the financial peace kind of realm too, but there's a difference between an abundance mindset versus a scarcity mindset. We talked about that in uh, one of our prior series this, this past year, where if, if I have a perspective, a paradigm of uh, scarcity, I am going to try to uh, guard and protect and to prevent from losing whatever it is that I have, yeah. whether that's a mindset of a current understanding or whatever that might be, versus an abundance mindset of there is more than enough mm-hmm. for, for, for everyone. There's more perspective out there than I currently have, an yeah. abundance mindset that, that opens me up rather yeah. than closes me in. Yeah, so that's one paradigm, but you can see how like it shapes your life. It shapes how you see reality. Uh, optimist versus pessimist. That's a, a really big paradigm, right? I think about uh, whether you're trusting or whether you're skeptical. Like that informs how you see reality, how you exist within it. So it's a really important thing. So um, each of us has a paradigm when it comes to reading scripture based off of our experiences, our traditions, uh, all of that shapes the, the particular lens by which we read scripture. Yeah, so for me, um, I know for most of my life, and I still struggle with it to this day, is I've had this paradigm of I am supposed to wake up, I'm supposed to read the Bible for however many minutes a day, and then when I go and read it's all just going to just obviously make all the sense in the world mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to fully understand it. Sure. It's going to be super clear. Yeah. And I'm just going to be able to apply that right. to my life. Yeah. Black it's, and white. It's very black and white. Yeah. Right? Like, I'm going to go here, and I'm going to have all these problems solved. Mm-hmm. Just easy peasy. Right? Just like... 
black and white. And so that's, that was a paradigm that I, I, I've had. And like I said, I still fight at times um, because I'll go into it and I, I will, I'll be trying to figure out one thing or uh, looking for something and, and I get too black and white and rigid yeah. with it, which we do throughout our life in so many different ways. Like yeah. the, the Bible is just one example. Um, I think we try to make things black and white with a lot of things in life because we think it's, it's just going to simplify. Yeah. It's so much more complex, more nuanced. There's than, some than nuance we try to, make to this life thing. Yeah. And I think I've had a similar experience. I might explain it slightly different, but I feel like I grew up um, with this mindset like, like the Bible was this manuscript from God that just like slowly dropped down from the heavens and like landed in somebody's lap. And I hadn't really given it any more thought than that. And so what happened is I would go in to read the Bible and I would read it as if God was like personally saying every word to me. And that sounds kind of good on the surface, except it becomes very confusing and becomes very like uh, clunky and cumbersome. And it became a chore to read the Bible because it didn't make sense through that lens. Um, and so I felt like I had to like, read the Bible as if there was this moral, ethical imperative in every single part that I read. And so it, it, gener- it genuinely confused me most of the time that I would dig in. And so then when I began to discover that there's more to this, like these are actual people um, who were writing these things to an actual audience in an actual context and culture. There was a reason they were writing these things. All of a sudden, there was like color that entered the page, like Wizard of Oz, you know, like boom, all of a sudden there's like, there's color and things are making sense and things are coming together the way that they were intended to. And so that was a huge paradigm shift for me in the way that I read and and approach scripture. Yeah, so um, like, is there, is there a, an example, like with that paradigm where you've shifted the way you once took a particular thing versus how you do now? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, like for example, um, popular scripture Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, right? Really popular. You see it all across the place. Well, if you read scripture from the manuscript paradigm, then you think God's talking directly to you, right? I, I have plans for you, a future and a hope, and that sounds great. Except that's not God talking to me. And that's not the biblical writer even talking to me. That's God talking to the exiles from Jerusalem to Babylon, trying to give them hope of a future. Now, you might say, oh, that's semantics. It does show us the character and the nature of God. That's very, very important to take. But the scripture before that, God says, you're going to be exiled for decades, in other words, you're going to go through a lot, of, a lot of persecution, a lot of strife. This is going to be a very tough season, but, but there's a hope. And so we just, you have to put it into context to actually understand what's going on in the story. Yeah, so if I'm hearing you right, it's like, it's, it's that we, maybe you've, t- you, and I did the same thing, so that's why I say we, um, took every single word literally to me versus understanding that, it wasn't written directly to you, but that's, that doesn't mean that there isn't underlying godly characteristics or principles that come from it. Right, exactly. And that's what we have to 
to dig underneath. And I think it's important at this point to call out. A, A lot of us try to, like you said, simplify things. And I think we have the desire to simplify because we want to make it easy, right? But we're stripping away personal responsibility when we do that. The personal responsibility of actually putting in the work to understand this. Because, you know, listen, if scripture was written 100 years ago, it would be easy to read and understand and apply. This is written thousands of years ago in a completely different time, completely different culture to a completely different audience, going through a completely different set of things that we are. So the truth is, when you study scripture, it takes a lot of work. People struggle with that. They, they do. They struggle with that, but it takes a lot of work. Well, we struggle with that in all aspects of life, right? Like, I want to be a millionaire, yeah. but when I have to do the daily grind to get there and do yeah. the, the boring stuff that leads to it, or I want to lose another 20 pounds or whatever, you know, I just, can we not just snap a finger and make that happen? Yeah. Uh, we have to put in the daily grind yeah. and the work, like you said, and it's the same way here with the Bible. And I'll, I'll also say, and I don't want to go too far into this, but a lot of times this is where in the, the history of the church, we've gotten ourselves in trouble where we try to make it black and white and then people weaponize the Bible in some pretty terrible ways. And it, it, I mean, just do some, some study on the history of the church. You'll see this very clearly. The Bible has been used um, to, to hurt a lot, of, to kill people, masses of people. And you wonder how in the world would that be possible based off of the things that Jesus did and, and the things that he said. But this is where we can get ourselves in trouble when we try to simplify. Right, when we take, when we take one thing out of context and apply it yeah, to, to everything, yeah. um, it gets really dangerous. Uh, we, can, we can find ourselves, well, you said it's the, the church in the past has literally used the Bible to literally kill people. Yeah. Um, and uh, now today, I think... I think um, it gets fuzzy where, where it's like, maybe it's not to that extent for us, but maybe it's our way of judging someone else. So it's, it's, we take something, pluck it out of scripture and, and just one, one scripture and we use it to make our stance, claim our thing, our, you know what I'm saying? Um, and so as loving believers, I want to be known for what I stand for mm. and not the things that I'm just against. Yeah. You know, I, I want to be for what I'm for. So maybe tell us, like, so what is our objective here with yeah. the series? Yeah, so the objective here is that there are a lot of different paradigms that exist, but we want to unpack what was the paradigm of the original writing. What was the original intent of the writing? Uh, And that's what we want to kind of unpack throughout the series. So let's maybe reverse that um, for a few minutes here. And let's talk about maybe some of the the unhelpful paradigms that we have seen. And I think there's there's really one in particular that all of us, I, I think, have struggled with at some point in time. And it would be the reference book or the textbook mentality. I think this is a paradigm that in, in our modern rational world, we all struggle with, um, which is we, we approach the Bible like it's a textbook. And so um, what, what you do with a reference book is you don't read it from cover to cover, 
right? That's not how you treat a dictionary or an encyclopedia. That makes no sense. What you do is you have these questions, um, these needs of yours, and then if you know the reference book well enough, you sift to the page or the pages that are going to answer that question, right? Or you Google it. Or you Google it, right? Um, and, And so it's a really specific process. The problem is if you do that with the Bible, then you're, you're doing something that it was never intended to do. And so uh, a, a few of the ways that we've seen this come to light, and we don't wanna like caricature these or even critique these, because again, there's always nuance in play. But I think one of the, the things that we do is we treat the Bible like a, a theological dictionary, right? So again, we have these questions. Who is God? Uh, what is his nature and his character? Um, what is his creation? How did it come about and, and how does it exist? And what is his will? And who are we in response? To like these really important questions that then we kind of reverse our way into and, and we try to find the page or the pages or the scriptures that are gonna answer those specific questions. And um, the, the problem is, is we might be asking questions that the writers weren't trying to answer. We might be asking questions that they weren't even interested in at that particular time. So it's really important that we honor the biblical writers. We honor what they were actually trying to communicate and what they were actually trying to do with the things that we're reading today. Yeah, so I am certainly guilty of wanting to understand something more. And I go to Google and I say, scriptures about X. (laughs) Yeah. You know. Fill in the blank. And then I get a list of scriptures, and I go and I read. And I don't like that one that much. And then I, I go to the next one. I'm like, that one I like. Mm, that's for me. I'm applying that one. <laughs> yeah. And no, no contextual referencing at all. Mm-hmm. So I, I have a question or a problem I'm trying to solve, and I go to Google, and I find a scripture that I like, mm-hmm. and I have no idea mm-hmm. what that scripture was actually saying in its context. Yeah. Um, and that might seem small, but it's very, very important because you can create for yourself a view of who God is and what his purpose and will is yeah that the Bible isn't saying from beginning to end. Yeah. You can totally paint that picture for yourself. Well, for yourself, you can live and operate from that place, and therefore, now you are representing God in that way. Mm-hmm. So when you're at your workplace, you are representing God yeah. in that way. Um, so this is, this is something that can get really dangerous and slippery um, yeah. if, if we continue to do this. I... I Tara actually shared with me. I think she got it from someone else, but it's just funny, so I'm going to share it. Um, context. Context matters. Agreed? Right? So the post or whatever it was that we got it from uh, said that in 2,000 years, we're going to have to explain the difference between a butt dial and a booty call. <laughs> All right. So Listen. Those are two drastic different things, all right? Those are two drastic different things. But it's silly playing me having fun with it. But if we do that and we we don't take into consideration the context, Mm -hmm. hey, 
We can be calling things what they're not. Yeah. So emphatically, the Bible is not a bunch of philosophical proofs that are bundled together for us to just read and download. That's not what the Bible is. The Bible is ancient narrative, poetry, and letters. That's what the Bible is. If you and I were to write the Bible today, we would write it very differently. But that's not what we have. What we have to do is understand how it was originally written and how we are to understand it through that lens. Yep. Uh, so uh, I, think, I think we get that one, right? We, we kind of go to, we're, again, very black and white. We, we want to see bulleted points from the Bible on how we're supposed to understand it and how we're supposed to live our life. Let me just add quickly, yeah. if you've been to seminary or if you've taken classes or if you've just had some fun at a library sometime, you will have seen this. It's a very popular thing called systematic theology. Um, and, and it's a very, very common thing today where you'll take categories. So God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and salvation, redemption, new creation, you categorize it. And then in those categories, you have a list of scriptures that you can go to that explain that category, um, which is not entirely unhelpful. But like if you start there, then you're probably gonna create theologies for yourself that don't match up with the narrative arc of the Bible. I had that experience. I consumed systematic theology like it was food. I mean, oh, I mean, I, I dozens and dozens of reading through, but it created some unhelpful ways that I viewed God and how he was operating and therefore how I should respond rather than understanding the actual story of the Bible. Yeah, and just to double down on this, it doesn't mean you can't, you can't uh, take a systematic theology approach to the Bible. It's just that how we approach it needs to be with context and the overall, you know, arch of it um, to, yeah. to be included. And to even build that out even more, we're not saying that the Bible doesn't answer theological questions. It absolutely does. The, the question is, how does yeah. it do that? Yeah. And so that's what we want, want to unpack more. Another way that we see the reference book approach is by treating the Bible like a, a moral handbook or like a rule book, which I think is probably the most common thing that we do. In fact, I've heard a lot of people that I talk to or others talking about the Bible who aren't familiar with it. That's what they think the Bible is. They think it's a rule book. It's a list of do's and don'ts. And if you follow those do's and don'ts, then you can make it into heaven. That's your book. Well, that's not the point of the Bible. That's certainly not how it's written and to be understood. So that's a, an important one for us to consider. Yeah. So what was your, what has your experience been with this particular paradigm? Well, I, I think, again, you take certain things that the Bible says out of context, and then you say, this is how you have to live your life. You have to follow this specific rule. So it's not about um, relationship, right? It's, there's not any sort of dynamic process in place. It's just, this is what the Bible says, so you do it. And again, that sounds great, and there are certainly things within the Bible that we need to be clear about. But holistically, that is simply not what the biblical writers are trying to do and in a, in a variety of different ways. Like e even um, the Mosaic Law. The, the Bible does not have the exhaustive list of the laws that they lived by. It, it has a pared-down version for us. In other words, the biblical writers are... are picking these laws for a particular reason to speak something to the audience. 
So they're not even trying to give us the exhaustive list of rules. That's not their point. They're trying to get us to understand something about God and, and how we should exist in response to that. Yeah, that's good. I, I know for me, um, was I, I definitely had this paradigm um, where uh, I would... I looked to the Bible as a rule book, and therefore, um, I really tried to uh, live this, like, perfect life um, without sin. Like, and then, that's impossible, newsflash. Um, But I would beat myself up every time that I did fall short, and then I would... Paul talks about, you know, I do, why do I do what I don't want to do? And then, you know, and I, I found myself in this, like, shame, sin cycle because I was viewing the Bible as this rule book of, you know, all these different rules to follow. Um, and therefore, it, I found myself in this wheel of constant shame. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, until I really began to view it differently, and began to really understand grace more so than mm-hmm. trying to live by works, um, you know. And and that's that's what seeing it as a rule book did for me was I tried to to make my way to heaven through works without saying that that's what I was doing. Yeah. Uh, and so when I really began to understand um, the overall, you know, what the Bible is saying overall. <laughs> Yeah, it, it opened that up. It, I I was freed from that. And again, I, I, this isn't like a critique job, but I think this is one of the reasons why we have so many different denominations today as well, because we treat the Bible like a rule book, and then the the truth is is we pick the parts that we think still apply and the ones that don't still apply, and then we all come up with different answers, and so then we have to separate ourselves. So you can see kind of the, the danger in that approach and, and how it works itself out. Yeah, well, I mean, you take one, for instance, right? Like Ten Commandments, do not murder. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that, that's a rule. That's a that's rule. That's a rule, that, right? And, and we live by that. And right. would say that that is good and right. Right. But if that was it, black and white, that's it, um, then we miss what Jesus is teaching us later on that, it's not just like don't murder. It's don't don't hate. Don't don't talk bad about people and don't do all these things. It, for one, for whatever stupid reason, my mind worked this way. Um, it's like if the rule said don't punch your mom in the face, right? Like if if that was my mind would never go there. Just yeah. <laughs> well, it goes there because I love her so much, and I would never. Uh, but like. If that was the rule, and that's what I'm living, that's, that's all that I'm going off of. It's black and white. Just don't punch her in the face. So I can talk bad about her. I can throw her attitude all I want. I can do whatever I want, regardless of what she says. You know, all of those things, then that's not, that's not what we're shooting for, right? Like, no, we, we love our mothers. Love you. And... Um, <laughs> And so I, w- I want to I wanna be kind, and I want to be generous to her, and I want to you know, show her and express my love for her. So simply put, Jesus didn't use the Bible as a rule book. He didn't. He took what looks like a really clear rule, do not murder, 
and he gets up underneath it and he says, this is about human value and dignity. You're supposed to love one another and, and be compassionate to one another. So, so there's so much more going on. He does the same thing with do not commit adultery. Really black and white, right? Okay, no problem. But he says, what I'm telling you is don't lust after, don't abuse somebody in your mind. They're, they're more valuable than that. They are made in the image of God. He's getting up underneath it to show this isn't about rules. This is about wisdom that's supposed to inform how we live and how we treat one another. Yeah, and, and something that I really, um, I wanna call out because this really uh, was powerful for me is that I always thought that I wanted it to be black and white. I always thought that I wanted it to be just like simple and black and white. But like we're unpacking here, I, I don't. Like that would be so boring. Life would be boring, honestly, if it was just that simple and that black and white. Don't do this, don't do that. Well, I would take it even further. If you were gonna try to change somebody, like really try to transform the way that somebody thinks and the way that somebody lives their life. You think about maybe somebody you're discipling or a, a, a friend or a, a child. You certainly would not just write out a bunch of lists of do's and don'ts and then email it to them and just walk away. You know that wouldn't work. Instead, what you would do is you would have a relationship with them and you would tell them stories and, and you would ask them questions to make them think for themselves and you would live it out in front of them. And then they would come to their own understanding of how to live and, and it would transform them from the inside out. Romans 12, right? Be transformed by the renewal of your minds. That's how you do that. And emphatically, that's what the Bible is doing. Amen. Yes, well done. I agree. Okay. Um, all right. So the, the last one that we have um, that we wanted to unpack, this paradigm that is there is this devotional grab bag. Mm -hmm. and we kind of touched on this a little bit already, but it's, it's going and plucking, you know, a scripture out to then use it for whatever it is I, I want to use it for. Yeah. Um, without considering that context. And I think that happens in a variety of ways. I think... Um, I think sometimes we find the parts of the Bible we really like and that really speak to us, which is awesome, but then we just stay there and we stay there and we don't read the rest of it. We don't try to understand the bigger story. We almost create theologies for ourselves just from the little stories that we like. And that's obviously damaging to understand the... Well, yeah, and then you find yourself in a conversation with a friend and then they bring something up that you've blocked and you're like, oh, Crap, I didn't, like, I, I refused to go there. Yeah. Um, but, but that's where we, we limit ourselves with our current paradigm. So I think that happens. And then I also think what's common is, uh, like we talked about earlier, we'll take one scripture and then take it out of context. We talked about Jeremiah 29, 11, Philippians 4, 13. I, I think we have a tendency to do that as well. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, which is awesome and amazing. And, and yes, we believe that. But like, we have to understand also, Paul is writing that as he's in chains, near death, being persecuted and beaten, probably in the worst time of his life. And in context, he's writing about being content, regardless of the circumstances. In the highs and the lows, I'm content. So you almost have to picture this man like on the, the floor of this jail cell being tied up and saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's, it's perseverance. That's what it's about, which is often not how you and I take that and, and apply that. So it's, it's just something we need to, to be aware of. Yeah, big difference, right? Like I can do all things, you know, versus 
I can do, you know, it's, it's a big, big difference. So we take, we use a scripture out of context that it was never intended to be used as, and we miss yeah. the real message right. that's being shared when we kind of do this grab bag approach. Yeah. The, the last thing I want to call out on this piece, and we've mentioned it a few times, but the, the devotional grab bag, I think, also puts us in a disposition where we feel like we have to apply every little thing that we read. And this, is, this has certainly been my experience with the Bible, like I said earlier. But you, you create these moral imperatives out of these particular scriptures or stories that weren't meant to paint it that way. And it can be really confusing and off-putting. And I think that's why many people end up just like, I'm done with this thing. I, I, it's too much for me to, to deal with. And so uh, I, I think we have to just be patient as we go into Scripture, read it for what it is, understand it for what it is, and allow that to transform us from the inside out. Yeah, it's, it's trying to shape us and form us, um, it, you know, not that rule kind of thing. And l- let me just say... Um, does that mean if you have a daily devotional, you should throw that thing away? No, that's not what we're saying at all. But I, what I would say is if that is your primary way of approaching scripture, you're probably gonna come away with a lot of misunderstanding and certainly not being able to see the full scope of what the biblical writers are trying to say. Yeah, and, and again, I feel the need to just say like, I have done all of these things, I still struggle. Yeah, I still struggle with going here at times and and not considering the context fully um, approaching scripture. And I just, um, I think this is, I I think, you know, I wish I had this understanding from the beginning, you know, just, and I hope that, that some of you are able to, you know, maybe you're just starting your journey in this thing and maybe this is a fresh startup where you can come from this, this perspective. Um, but we don't do this in other things in life. Like, we don't watch a movie and just as we're watching it, try to pluck out every single little thing that we can apply to our life. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever your favorite book is or story is, you know, we don't, we don't approach it that way. Um, so we're kind of talking about more of this narrative story that's there that certainly has a, a ton of principle and godly characteristics and all the good stuff that we talk about, yeah. but it's more the approach to it is different. So, so maybe let's wrap it up this way. Does the Bible give us theological answers? Does the Bible give us moral, ethical imperatives and guidelines? Does the Bible inspire us and allow us to be devoted to God? The answer is emphatically yes. Yes. The question becomes, how does it do that? And and that's what we're going to discover as we walk through. We've got seven um, different foundations that we're going to be going through throughout the rest of this series to talk about how we are to read the Bible. How, How do we actually get ourselves to understand the intended paradigm so that we can see it through the right lens, apply it the way we're supposed to, and ultimately be transformed by it. So that's what we're looking forward to. Hopefully this has kind of set the stage for that. And what I'm hoping for as we finish up today and as we leave today is that maybe you would uh, just uh, allow yourself to ponder maybe some of the unhelpful paradigms that you've had 
as you enter into Scripture? What are some of the ways that I've looked at this and read this that aren't entirely helpful for me? And how can I begin to maybe discover some new truth within it? Um, So again, we're going to continue to be open-minded, continue to be soft-hearted as we move forward, but I'm super excited to continue to dig in and, and reveal what God has for us.